Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. My name is Matt Finch, and my guest today is President and CEO of RTM Consulting and Managing Director of the Resource Management Institute, Randy Mislovics. How are you doing? Hey, Matt, it's great to be with you today. Great, fantastic. And we, we have a huge variety of guests on our show, but I'm not sure anybody that's got that long a title and that many organizations. So we'd love to learn a bit more about uh, you, you, Randy, and uh, what is it that you do and who do you do it for? And tell us about these wonderful organizations you represent. Well, I'll start at the top there, Matt. I've been in the tech industry uh, 40-something years. It really dates me, but I started out in the technology industry working for a company called IBM that's uh, still around and prospering today. And I've worked for just a number of, of technology companies uh, over the years, and mostly uh, computer hardware, computer software firms, that kind of thing. And But a big part of my life and profession was spent in the area of services. And matter of fact, I work for a, a company here in uh, Cincinnati called Convergence, where I started professional services business there. And uh, and it was kind of where what led me to the idea that maybe I could share some of what I had learned in my years, uh, professional services or other services environments, that I might be able to uh, share some of that knowledge with uh, other companies. And I decided to set out and start my own firm, which became RTM Consulting which is the the parent company of the Resource Management Institute, uh, RTM Consulting, doing consulting in the services space. We help firms with any kind of service, professional services, managed services, field service, support services, any kind of services that you want to get better at is what we do. And, and out of that uh, came a lot of work in an area, specialty area called resource management. You know, these companies all have lots of pools of professional services workers or field services workers or call center workers or whoever they might happen to be. And the efficient and effective use of those big pools of people is a, a, a discipline we call resource management. Some people call it workforce management. To us, it's really one and the same thing. And and that's how we started the Resource Management Institute focused on building better and best practices for resource and workforce management. And we uh, we have almost 900 corporate members today. We started just five years ago. We uh, do extensive market research, run events several times a year and various things, all resource and workforce management related. And we provide training for resource managers. And so we've got a, an exclusive resource management certified professional program where we certify resource managers in the discipline of resource management. So that's a, a bit about us. We're headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio. And what else can I tell you about the, the RMI as we affectionately know the Institute to be? Matt? Yeah, what wonderful. I mean, gosh, you gave us a great overview there. And um, I think the interesting thing for me with this is that how these kind of industry bodies that spring up over time and someone like yourself who's been through a variety of different organizations, a real industry veteran when it comes to services, bringing all of that knowledge and consulting and, and help and mentorship and guidance to up and coming resource managers, people that might want to take certification or learn something from a podcast or learn something from a course that you or an event that you might put on. I think that's really fantastic. And we talk a lot on this show about the services industry being slightly underrepresented in comparison to other equivalents when it maybe comes to our sales colleagues or client success or whatever it is. And to have a dedicated Resource Management Institute, an organization specifically for resource managers, were absolutely wonderful. 
So great to have you show, have you on the show today, Randy. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I think our listeners are going to learn an awful lot from your insights. And I think one of the things we wanted to dive into specifically today, talking about the subject of utilization. And just as a general concept, if we think about utilization as the usage of people's time, you know, resources being used for the maximum amount of time, for the maximum amount of, of profit on the right projects at the right time, that's it from a kind of helicopter view of 35,000 feet. But at, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, resource is a person and how does utilization affect a person? You know, we really want to dive into that. And I know that you've got some reports and, and stats and data that you want to share with us today. So t- tell us a, a little bit why we should, as services professionals, why should we really care about utilization? What What is it about utilization that's a great measure of our services? Yeah. People? So it's a great starting question for us on this is, you know, if you think about Mavenlink and, and who they try to reach with their capability abilities, their customers are predominantly service providers in professional consulting services, a lot of marketing agencies, and those service entities are made up people, lots of people, right? And people are, are generally speaking, in those organizations, our most expensive investment, right? We got generally three quarters of a typical service provider budget is into is put into salaries and wages for those employees that, or and or contractors that are providing those services so so if you think about that every point of utilization for those companies can amount to a, a huge amount of money and I, I you know won't dimensionalize it exactly but just take a 500 person t- uh, organization take 75 dollars an hour multiply that times you know, roughly 2,100 hours a year of time and just take 1% of that number. If you just make a 1% improvement, it sends massive amounts of savings to the bottom line for those companies, not to mention the fact that they've freed up some resource that they might have otherwise filled with, you know, a, a contractor or another employee or whatever. So utilization, you know, there's a lot of other aspects to it, but, you know, it, it's probably it's, you know, most important thing it is important to focus on is just simply the amount of money tied up in in people and what one point of utilization can mean to a company. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know that the Resource Management Institute do a lot of surveying of the, the people that you work with. Tell us a, a little bit about the survey from this year. Who did you survey? Who, what kind of responses did you get? Just so when we're talking through some of these statistics here, we yeah. get an idea of where this has come from and the background behind, behind the, the survey. Yeah, okay, okay great. So the, uh, when we published the survey you're referring to, uh, Matt, it was the 18th survey we've published as an institute so far on a variety of topics related to uh, resource management. It was the third one we published on specific to utilization. And over time, we've been expanding the domains. It was originally started out with professional consulting services, and we had our enterprise IT, and we later added marketing agencies, and we've just recently added accounting, audit, tax, and, and advisory firms. We have product development organizations. So, so in, in that specific survey, we had 51 different companies participate in the survey. It was more than 100 individual respondents because we sometimes will get people running different operations inside those same companies. But we had 51 uh, companies, over 100 respondents, all answering a, a long list of questions about utilization, right? How do they measure it? How they're performing against it? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? What's getting in the way? What about the processes? What about the tools you're using? And we just got some great data. And the great news is 
because it's the third time we run it, we ran it. So we have trending data from 2018, our first run, to 2019, our second run, and now to 2021. This one was done in the third quarter of last year. We published a report in the, uh, early in the fourth quarter of last year. And uh, so we got some great trending data. It's the only place I know where you can get data this specific to these domains. Um, and, you know, all these companies are looking for benchmark information, right? What a good look like. Am I doing well or not doing well relative to my peer group? And particularly if you're if you're on your game as a service executive, if you recognize the point that 75% of my cost is tied up in people, boy, you're not doing your job if you're not paying attention to that particular metric. Yeah. I think the, the interesting thing about the trending as well is that you've obviously captured a really unique moment in the world with COVID. You've got pre and kind of during and hopefully soon post COVID data that, that you're going to track. So really interesting to see how that impacts things as well, certainly from a utilization perspective. Just kind of talk us through what were your top two or three takeaways from this year's survey? Good, bad, otherwise, you know, what, what was the, the things that you really felt stood out for you? I'll start with the good stuff. And there was, there was quite a bit of it in number one, utilization is getting better. We as an institute take pride in the fact we're hopefully being a catalyst to the industry to get better at something that's so important to to the, those companies and their economics and you know their customer satisfaction and stuff. But overall, utilization is getting better. Pretty big leap in professional consulting services. It was in the low double digits, which is huge. Uh, you know, relative, and we have a pretty good sample size, so we feel good about the data. Uh, on the enterprise IT side, not as big a leap, but again, in uh, the middle uh, single digits, uh, as far as improvement in uh, enterprise IT uh, use of people. The data on marketing agencies, we had just, this was the first run where we got data from marketing agencies and, and some of the other domains. And so, but generally speaking, one point of good news is the industry's uh, getting better at driving utilization up, and that's a, a good benefit for everybody. Another thing I'll mention is is we're making headway in how resource management is being governed in these companies. If I went back, you know, 15 years ago before I started RTM Consulting, you know, and then later in 2016, the Institute, resource management at that time was just not on the forefront of the mindset of most executives. It just, if you asked them about project management or quality management, you'd get a lot of head nods. So yeah, we're really focused on that. When I asked about resource management, it would be buried down in some third process someplace. And I always kind of wondered, you know, why that would be, because again, if three quarters of your costs are tied up in this, why wouldn't that be the top of your mm. list for the things that you're you're focused on? So the good news is from a standpoint of threaded throughout that survey, that we looked at governance and progress on metrics and use of tools and accountability and where these things, you know, how often they're reporting results and things. And so again, encouraging news, we're either holding steady or getting better at how we're as a, as an organization moving RM resource management, workforce management up as a priority in these companies. And so that's a big one. And then the third one I'll, I'll mention is that we, you can't do, you know, we at the Institute, we're not a software vendor where, you know, our members work with companies like Mavenlink to get their automation technology for resource management. But you can't do good resource or workforce management without good automation tools. And so, you know, that's where a Maven link comes in, right, with that kind of stuff. And there's, a, you know, obviously a lot of other vendors out there that do that. But the commitment to companies to using automation tools to enable these processes 
is clearly there. We're seeing continuous movement forward in, you know, not only the satisfaction with use of those tools, but the fact that people are getting more out of those tools as we go on, which kind of leads me to the bad hmm. side of things. Yeah. And on the downside, one thing we saw, a one-point improvement across the board, the connection or use of spreadsheets is still way too high. And it, it depends on which domain you were looking at, but they're all in the, you know, call it 47 to 57 percentage points of, of a range of, of organizations that invested in one of these modern automation tools, and yet they're still using uh, spreadsheets almost as much as they were 10 years ago. Mm. And that's a real head scratcher. And there's, there's a lot of reasons for it. And I could do a whole podcast on that, but we've got to make more progress as an industry. And by the way, the tools today have the capability to help people move away from the spreadsheets. That is one of these cultural things where I've been using spreadsheets for years and now you're asking me to not do it that way. And I'm going to, you know, have to do it a different way. And, and I'm totally convinced when they finally kick the spreadsheets out the door and get onto these tools and use those capabilities, they'll be happy with the result. Less duplicity of data. Data, the integrity of the data will be better. They'll get to the answer more quickly and, and, and get more value from, um, from their investment in, in these automation tools. So that's the first thing I would mention on, on the bad side on spreadsheets. In the utilization report, one of the things we talk about or ask people about was how they measure utilization. And, you know, it just it wouldn't be intuitive that I would think how I measure it has anything to do with how utilized my people are. But it does. It's got a big. It makes a big difference. And so we've been uh, big proponents of using the the twenty two thousand and eighty hour standard as your denominator. So if you're going to measure how many billable hours or how many productive hours I got on my person, and put that up as your numerator and divide by a number, we're telling you divide by twenty eighty all the time. It's basically fifty two weeks times forty hours, and that's how you get to the twenty eighty. Pretty simple thing. And but there is a preponderance of organizations who have made up their own number. I, I took off vacations and I'm using 1,760 hours, or I took off this and I'm using 1,560 hours. And, you know, the only way the industry can get to a benchmark is that we, we have to agree on that we're going to measure things the same way. You, yeah. You're going to measure in Fahrenheit or Celsius, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, which other? But it's got to be one of those two, right? And don't give me a third standard <laughs> or else I, it's hard for me to figure out where I am. So we're trying to push people toward that standard and we're making really good progress over the last five years in that we saw some backsliding in this report of, of people sliding backwards. And so the reason I'm making this point is real simple because data doesn't lie. So two surveys in a row now, we have data that says if you use a 2080-hour standard, you're actually getting, take all the comparisons of math away, right? Just make apples to apples comparison of the real data. How many hours of billable productive time do I get to my people? The people that have adopted a 2080 standard overwhelmingly get better utilization out of their investment in people than those who adopt a different standard. And people... You know, you're probably going to ask me, well, why the heck would that be, right? It's, you know, it's just changing the denominator. And and the simple answer is, is if I change my denominator, my numbers look better. If I go to my boss and say, hey, look, I've got 75% utilization and I'm comparing myself to somebody who, and I'm using a, a 15, 60-hour standard and I'm comparing myself to somebody using a 20, 80-hour standard. Well, that's not fair. And so we see organizations find all kinds of reasons why they want to adopt a smaller number for their denominator. And what that happens is it causes, it makes it easier to hide behind inefficiencies mm -hmm. in the organization. 
And so we we want people on a 20-80-hour standard. That's the the best way to measure it. If you want to work on, you know, I got different vacation standards in Europe than I do here in the U.S., that's fine. But deal with that in your targets not in how you measure, yeah, because there's a big difference. And so, the, and again, the data doesn't lie. We got two extensive surveys uh, on this that said you adopt a 28-hour standard, you'll get a better result. So that was my second one, long-winded answer. But I wanted to make that point because it's really important. It's so simple to fix, but yet so many people have not yet fixed it. And then the third is just a little bit of backsliding we saw in accountability related to resource management. We saw people uh, wanting to push the accountability down in their organizations instead of it being up in the C-suite or a senior vice president level, wanting to push it down more in the VPs or general manager level. And and it wasn't a huge shift, but it was uh, still a decline nonetheless of more senior level management accountability, better resource management. And we think that needs to go the yeah. other direction. What, so that's why do you think that is? That would seem to me to should go the opposite way around. So interesting observation. Yeah, there. I don't really know the answer. If, if I, I could speculate without any data to, to back it up. I will tell you my undata-based opinion is, is it's related to you know, organizations that maybe slid backwards on their utilization. So they changed their 2080 standard or something else to make themselves look better. And then they put it someplace so somebody else could own the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't really know that they, I don't want to paint a broad brush over everybody in the organization because not every company acts like that. And But I, I really, really don't know. And it's something we'd like to get get underneath. We hope to see it come back and swing back uh, the other way. And, uh, and hopefully that'll happen. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do, you, do, do you see anything in the data that led towards some kind of trends related to COVID working from home? You know, did, was utilization at all impacted by what happened? Other than maybe there's less business around at certain points in time, like an economic one, but anything from a process yeah. perspective? Right, right. So interesting enough, there was no significant shift in that that we could tie one way or the other to the pandemic. Now, I did say earlier that utilization over, you know, since our prior planning period of 2019 and pandemic came right in the middle of that. And we took this survey in the third quarter of 2021 and utilization actually got better. So could I tie the two together? I think I could, you know, without having clear data to tell me that. But the but my instincts would tell me it probably did get better to some degree because of the pandemic, simply because you had more people working remotely. And, and while there, you know, there's obvious downsides of, you know, people getting distracted at home and maybe you're not getting as much work. They're not spending, you know, particularly in some communities, 45 minutes driving to work and 45 mm. minutes driving back and, and you're getting more focused time. So, so I don't know where the trade-offs or the balances are, but, you know, overall, I think we did see, you know, the Institute got lots of inquiries about, you know, the pandemic and its effect and, you know, how do we operate the processes? And, and the good news is when we designed the just-in-time resourcing pro- process methodology that gets taught, a process solution that gets taught in our certification course, it doesn't matter whether your people are remote working for the, the company, you know, your contractors, employees, we don't care. The process uh, takes care of that and makes it easier to work in, in a, a mixed environment. People working at work, people working remotely and, and those sorts of things. I, I would mention to you just our company, RTM Consulting, when we started it, we actually adopted way back in 2008 and initially started with an approach that said, you know, a lot of big consulting companies were forcing their employees to come to the office and then put them on the road 20, you know, five days a week. And we took the tact of, we, we don't want anybody traveling more than maybe a third of their time mm-hmm. and and learned how to do consultative work, you know, management consulting, operational consulting, uh, technology consulting, and do it from our homes. 
And uh, so when we when the pandemic kicked in, we, we were we we're already doing it. Ready we to just go. Instead of going a third to travel, now we're just not traveling at all. And business as usual. Yep. And I, I think a lot of companies, you know, figured their way through that um, as well, because we're seeing that the, you know, we're not getting the calls back to say, get on a road and start traveling again. Yep. And I think the industry is, you know, largely better off as a result of that. There'll be some downslides because of the, you know, work at home. There's some negative mm. there, but, you know, it'll work Over, itself overall out. good. And, and not forgetting the financial element of the cost of travel and all, uh, you know, the, the lost opportunity Absolutely. being on the road versus actually doing the, doing yep. the job. Yeah, wonderful. So, Randy, great points. I'm really intrigued into some of this data that's coming out here. If you were listening as a services leader, what would be the top two or three things that I could do that could help me better increase utilization in my organization? Well, I'd point to a few things. If you go out to the RMI website, you know we have all of our past events all pre-recorded. We've got white papers and all kinds of stuff out there. But in quite a few of the state of RM broadcasts that we do at the Institute, matter of fact, we're doing our annual broadcast tomorrow. Mm. And, and there's a slide in that deck, which we've published quite a few times. It's got 10 best practices for resource management listed on that. I would encourage people to go pull that page out stick it up on their, you know, their wall or their, you know, wherever and and pay attention to those 10 things because while we have a ton of best practice information in, in our our knowledge base, those are the 10 that we tell people if, if you want to be good at this, at least do these 10 things right. And some of those things I'll, I'll highlight for you is some of the bigger ones is building a, a resource management office and, and hire good RMs. You know, it, it again, resource management relative to say project management is still pretty nascent. You know, people have been at it for 10, 15, mm. 20 years, but project management, we've been at it for, you know, 60, 70, 80 years or however long, right? It's been at it a lot. It's a lot more uh, worked out. And, you know, because there's so many people have been focusing on it, but but we've been pushing this concept of the resource management office that looks kind of like a project management office or a PMO, as they know, on that side of the business. Put it all off on its own. Put it in a, a generic place. You know, we call it neutral. Make it like Switzerland, right? It wasn't a war, right? Just put it someplace where it can grow and develop without the influences that might cause us to not make the changes culturally that we need to make to move to a different way of doing resource management. And then hire resource managers, and resource management's not an admin function. It, you, you need smart people with good analytical capability. You can look at reports and look at data and get to know people. And so hire really good RMs and don't make it an admin function. We would tell people to train folks in a standard, get a process. Now, we um, selfishly, I tell you, come to the RMI, hmm. send people to class and use our process. You don't have to use our process, but we have one done. Hmm. We give you a nice big book. It's all finished and, and, and it's relatively inexpensive to send people through this course. You get the th- process and you can walk back and then you can take and modify that you know that process however you, you want to meet your particular needs but don't reinvent the wheel we you know we've been spending years at this and we've got it down we've got hundreds of companies using this process go get the process and and start with that as opposed to starting from scratch so and then by the way we have a way to train people in that process and so you can get everybody trained get off uh, spreadsheets and get a modern PSA tool tell people do that sooner than later Call your favorite uh, automation tool vendor and tell them, come talk to me about solutions in a resource management side and, and cut the cords with the spreadsheets. Really, really important. 
And then uh, the last one I'll mention is uh, get on the 2080 standard. You're going to start measure some measure utilization, get on a 2080 hours standard. It will make a difference. You'll be able to compare yourself to your peer group. We're pushing out the data to give you that benchmark stuff. Um, again, those four things I just mentioned and another six are on this one slide you can get out of our state of RM broadcast and, and it's out there and, and you get a copy of it. That's what I would tell somebody to go do if they were just picking it up and, and starting from scratch. Yeah, lo- love it, Randy. And, and just the things you've said there, just to summarize, centralized resource management function, certified process, uh, looking at things like the 2080 standard, get certified as an individual, run the process that you want to run, and then automation, automation solutions to help, yeah, help yeah. drive that. Yeah, that, that, that point you made of centralization is really important, right? Is, uh, is I, I ought to have, you know, that's one of the things that silos, I tell people are the worst enemy of a company trying to do good resource management, departmental silos. I mean, that that's how I was taught to work as a manager, you know, 40 years mm. ago, was build up a great department, get great people, and then protect them, right? Yeah. Today, the you want to do the opposite. You want to hire great people and, and grow and develop them, but make those people available to the enterprise to help your customers wherever they need help. And by the way, employees love that too, because they get a chance to look outside their own department and, and get some opportunities to grow and develop they might not otherwise get if you bottle them all up in one place. So yeah, there's a lot that can be uh, can be gained. From yeah, that. definitely. I'm, I'm certainly seeing a, a lot in many places. Actually, software sales, services, this concept of of shared services. So rather than you have a department, you do your job. You, like you said, you you protect that team and you build it out your your own little empire and not have them cross other silo barriers. Actually, going in the opposite direction is way better for individuals, career development opportunities, that kind of thing. It's way better for the organization, and it really allows you to build a best practice across every part of an organization as opposed to just focusing on the two, three, four, ten people that might be in your world. You can impact a much greater cohort of people if you act more as a shared service for the business as opposed to, I'm sitting in my little world and doing my thing by myself. So just thinking and, and moving towards the future, you know, we, we can see historically in the past what the data tells us, but where do you really think people should be starting? You know, what, what are trends coming down the line? What's something that we don't know about now that you think is going to be really important in the future? Yeah, I, I, I think, first of all, the future is going to be amazing. We're going to see a lot of change. And I think it'll be certainly a lot of process change, but we're going to see a lot more on the technological side of things that will really start to help us here. So we'll continue to do the things we do, pushing best practices and helping to evolve and educate people and trying to do that. I think the exciting part of uh, resource management and, and workforce management going forward is going to be the application of technology to make resource managers more productive. I don't think they're not going to replace resource managers. They're going to allow those people, though, to do a lot better job uh, of doing that. So things like artificial intelligence. And so today, you know, the tool vendors all say they have good staffing tech technology to help you with staffing. And they're pretty good. They're way better than they were 10 years ago. Artificial intelligence will take staffing to a whole new level. Mm. I mean, it'll allow you to, you know, different than an RM who's got a project they're trying to staff and they're looking at a database of people that might be available and they're, they're trying to quickly make that decision of putting those two things together. 
is with AI, you can start looking at, okay, well, is that the best cost choice to make? Maybe I can get that same person, the same skills and a lower price someplace else who's also available. Maybe I can find a person who this is a perfect match for their uh, professional development plan. And so maybe they're not the cheapest, but I helped employee engagement, employee morale by putting a person in there that's going to say, hey, thanks, boss. I really appreciate the opportunity to get put on this project, right? I mean, AI can consider things on you know uh, location, cost, personal desires, professional development needs all kinds of variables and and do it like that, right? That, you know, resource managers take a lot longer to do. And so AI tools, we think, are going to help a lot. Forecasting is a huge weakness. It's the number one problem our members have. And, you know, kind of think about resource management is, you know, you can't materialize people overnight, right? It, if you want to hire somebody, it takes, you know, weeks and months, right? Particularly in today's environment, or if you have to attrit people, or if you have to reskill them, it, you know, we're talking in terms of months for these things. So if you don't have a forecast that is at least accurate in the terms of months, you're always behind the curve. Mm. You can never see kind of get ahead of the problem. You're always playing triage. And so, we think, you know, AI and better business intelligence capabilities are going to bring forecasting, you know, to a whole new level, right? Because it's kind of like when you think back when supply chain first started, right? As, you know, companies started popping up, taking, coming up with all these uh, methodologies and, and uh, algorithms to figure out, you know, how do I figure out what widget I need on that store shelf in that city on that day at that time, right? And if you had asked them for, you know, 10 years earlier, they would have the kind of precision they have today, you know, people would have laughed at you. Mm. And today they're pretty doggone accurate. I think, you know, we're going to take resource management with AI and BI to the level supply chain organizations are today with bringing, you know, that to the world of resource management. It's going to be super exciting because then we can then kind of look at our processes and say, okay, so how, how would I change those things then to get, you know, put more and take that intelligence I'm getting and put that to work to, to create, you know, more strategic advantage out of uh, resource management. Think about, you know, today organizations are just concerned about controlling cost. Imagine where if I could get to where I could say, you know what, next year, I know the inflation's kicking in. I got to get people pay raises. I actually want to lower the cost per hour of my delivery function. That's possible. It's being mm. done. I've done it. It can be done, but you need the kind of technology and process to get there. But wow, that's super powerful. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's super powerful. I think the thing that's most interesting about those comments, Randy, is the added value that this gives to a resource manager. This is not technology that's going to to replace you. It's technology that's going to help you, help you become more strategic, help you become more valuable to an organization by being able to make more advanced level decisions than simply, you know, on a spreadsheet, put a person's name in a box and hope that it works out. I think that's this really powerful thing as a resource manager to take away from some of those future trends. I think that's right on the money. I think it's it's going to make a huge difference in it. You're exactly right. It's not taking stuff away. It's just making it going to add more value to that whole process and experience of resource management. And workforce management, too is again we talk about those same things you know tomorrow my state of our broadcast i'm going to be talking about the convergence of resource management and workforce management to, to, to us they've always been one and the same but we recognize there are organizations that say they're doing workforce management others saying they're doing resource management for, for us though it's right person right place right yep. moment in time with the right skills in the end is that's the single grounding point right for both of those terms and whatever they mean to you but we think those two things are going to converge yeah spot on absolutely so Randy, final thoughts. We're coming to the end of our session here today. What do you think would be the main point that you would uh, ask our listeners to take away from our conversation today? 
if you run a services business, as all you know, all those Mavenland customers do, and lots of other companies, you know, we have a service-based economy now, right? Mm-hmm. Is the lines crossed about I don't know seven, eight, nine years ago, where we're no longer a product-based economy. We're a service-based economy. Is if you run a services organization, it's people-intensive. You have to be good at resource management because it's not just utilization and cost, but right. The more you get the right person, the right skills, and the right place, the right moment of time, the more you'll have you know fewer project failures. You'll have happier customers, you'll have better quality. I mean, everything wins, but you can't be good at services unless you're going to be committed to being good at resource or workforce management. People process and technology, those things have always been true. They're not going to change going forward, but you want to be good at services, get good at resource management, and you'll be competitive in the future and, and hopefully make turn that into strategic advantage for your company. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Randy, fantastic conversation. Really encourage everybody to dig into that report, dig into all of this fantastic data. Randy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Um, Audience, if you'd like to learn more about resource management and utilization, go to the RMI website at resourcemanagementinstitute.com. See their great resources, as we've just said. They also have a fantastic program that allows you to become resource management certified, a resource management certified professional. That's a a wonderful thing, Randy, that you're you're providing. Really excited to do that. I've actually sent a few folks from my own personal team on through, through that course, and they've come back um, so jazzed to, to to know what what this is all about, the future of resource management, how that can apply to our software and to our to our clients as well. Really wonderful. Randy, thank you again so much. As always, everybody, please reach out, podcast at mavenlink.com if you have any questions about the show. We're always encouraging people to reach out and ask questions. We've got some great future guests coming up as well. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about what Mavenlink does and how Mavenlink can support you as a resource manager, please also go to mavenlink.com and check us out over there. Randy, thank you again. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get your podcast on any podcast app. And to learn more about the transformative power of Mavenlink, go to mavenlink.com. Thank you for listening.